everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Four T's in the Church podcast, where we talk about touch, time, transparency, and teamwork, four ways males who are attracted to the same sex can experience intimacy with their friends in the church. Today, I'm here with a, a guest speaker, Tom. How do you pronounce your last name? My last name is Zuniga. Zuniga. But right. there's a Hispanic pronunciation which goes Zuniga, so you can pronounce it that way too. Okay, which I was, <laughs> I was going in that direction. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, today I, I'm excited to have Tom here. He is... Uh, the f- one of the founders of Your Other Brothers. Would you like to explain what Your Other Brothers are? I would love to explain that, Richard. Well, first of all, Richard, I'm so excited to be on the Fortis podcast at long last. This has been mm-hmm. a long time coming. I've been bothering you about it for a <laughs> while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Your Other Brothers, we started our website in 2015. And our tagline is navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. We cover aspects of masculinity like puberty and growing up and childhood and high school and college development as a man. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about issues of sexuality as far as pornography, masturbation, and other topics goes. And then how that intermingles with faith. We have lots of faith traditions represented on our site. And so guys blogging from all, all aspects of faith. And we have a podcast, a video channel our blog, and all those outlets coming together in this one community. And what, what do you call it? Ma- Manly Monday? Manly Monday, yeah. <laughs> so every couple of weeks we do, I do a video series on our site, Manly Monday, and I'll talk about something and share some scripture, and then we'll do a little state of the yob where I kind of go around and talk about things that are happening on our site, blogs, comments, sweet podcasts, yeah, basically all the latest content, and we do a video channel. I try to make it entertaining, hopefully, as possible, with yeah. me sitting at a desk talking about all these things. Um, but yeah, it's a cool community. We've been around for almost three years now, and mm-hmm. um, we have a Patreon, too, that people have been pledging into and supporting, and we have a Facebook group for, for supporters, and it's really cool to see the community aspect become like this other dominating presence on our site because it used to just be 10 guys just blogging about yeah sex stuff and now it's like (laughs) we're talking and now we're like a community over 100 people all over the world and we just actually had our first ever retreat Mm -hmm. in the mountains which you were there for richard yeah it was fun got to meet you for the first time there actually a few weeks ago and so yeah it's cool to see it go and it's not just a website anymore it's way way more than than that which is not something i would have predicted when we started it yeah and it seems to just getting bigger it gets, keeps growing yeah, yeah yeah it's cool it's it's humbling it's encouraging all at once to see it grow and i i found this site i if i remember the timeline right i think i found it after you guys mm-hmm. like a month after you guys put it up okay i think uh but i didn't join the group until this january for i don't even know yeah, why you were a late bloomer yeah i don't know why that <laughs> happened I, I remember after the new it was new year's day i'm like i should join the group i don't know why i, I think i couldn't because I'm not I'm not tech savvy. I couldn't figure out how to no not how you. to get connected to Patreon the Patreon yeah, account. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I just like gave up. I'm like, ah, oh, forget this. And I've then, had a few people actually send me emails over the years trying to figure out Patreon. I don't yeah. know, like from my perspective, maybe I'm just more tech savvy than I give myself credit for. But like from my perspective, it's not super difficult. But maybe for other people. Yeah, I was, and that's I was just like, ah. Oh. But one day I was like, no, I'm gonna figure this out. And then and you did yeah. thank goodness you did Richard because we would not be where we are um, without you. So you are one of the founders of of your other brothers, which yeah. uh, as I was saying, I found that uh, website when I was doing my research on friendship and this topic, doing the typical Google search Christians and homosexuality, mm-hmm. see what comes up. And I I don't even remember what article I found, but when I found that I I sent it to my friends. Everyone, if if they were in my phone, they they got a they got a text that day. Really, read this. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so I, I oh first so you you're a, you're a founder of your other brothers, but uh, 
Would you like to talk about any anything more about who you are? Yeah, I'm way more than than Yab. That's yeah. for sure. It's become more of a thing in my life, actually. But um, yeah, I'm some 31 years old. Grew up on the East Coast. 31. 31. Yeah. Was your birthday recent? Uh, April. Uh semi recent. I, I was in Spain. That's right. You were in Spain. You were yeah. in Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you turned 31. Okay. So I'm 31. Um, grew up on the East Coast. Moved, actually lived in Southern California for a few years. That's where I did a lot of my growing up. And just after college, I came out here for a new start, fresh chapter, and got into tutoring. That's kind of where I started to figure out a lot of my passions. Okay. Um, so I started tutoring and just kind of felt this connection with youth and working in camps. And I worked at camps for a few summers and learned a lot from these kids. I felt like I was supposed to be teaching them and I felt like they wound up oftentimes teaching me way yeah. more than I felt like I taught them. Um, and that was a huge redemptive part because I had a really just hard childhood of being isolated among the other boys and not really having friends and growing up. So I feel like okay. working with youth in my mid-20s, I kind of brought something redemptive to my to my story, being able to reconnect with my with my youth in a way, getting mm-hmm. to connect with these kids. Um, yeah. But then also when I was in California living out here, I also realized my passion for writing. I started a blog and wrote my first book, Struggle Central, and that was where I officially came out huh. to the world How about old you? my struggles. Um, I was 26 at the time. When yeah. you first started 26. sharing with people? Yeah, well, when I first started sharing with people, that's a long journey that goes back okay. to 19. So Got 19 it. was when I first told my parents, and then gradually sharing with loved ones um, my, my story of same-sex attraction. And then, yeah, I was 26, I wrote this book, and that's where I told the world. At that point, I, I figured I had told everybody that I needed to, and there was just really... And I knew that for years, God had put it on my heart that I was going to tell my story. It just okay. I didn't know what that would look like and what that would eventually lead to. I certainly had no concept of Yob at the time, but I figured a book was a logical way to go because I've been writing since I was seven years old, and I just wow. always wanted to write books. Like That was something that was just always this dream in my heart. And I thought it would just be fiction for a while. For most of my life, actually, I've had all these fiction ideas in my head. But, but yeah, it wasn't until after college that I figured, and I started blogging more, I started blogging anonymously about same-sex attraction and faith and tying it all together mm-hmm. um and then so when i started doing that for a couple of years i figured you know what i think a book a nonfiction book a book of memoirs i think that's probably the way to go and yeah. i just started feeling promptings and going that direction and uh yeah that's what i wound up doing so i wrote that book and then started yab a couple of years later so you wrote this book you were 26. You wrote it here in Fullerton. I did. Which I mean, we're recording right now. I meant in the home base of my life. Yeah, so much pivotal. So many pivotal things happened in Fullerton because I found a church here okay. and wrote this book here and lived here for a couple of years. So yeah, it was uh, Fullerton was a magical. Yeah, time it's in fun. My life. I love, I love this town. It's, it's always fun. fun to be back. Yeah. Yeah. All the coffee shops. Coffee shops. Yeah, good place to walk around. Yeah, it's a cool. It's a cool town and great college town. Great energy. Mm. Yeah, I love it a lot. But, uh, but yeah, so really my last few years of my life have been more and more dominated by, by writing. Um, my most recent job that I took, I was a tutor and a mentor at a boarding school for teenage boys. And okay. the boys are in drug and alcohol recovery. Wow. And so my life kind of took that trajectory going from basic eighth grade algebra tutoring to working at summer camps to doing more and more therapeutic work with kids. I was uh-huh. a wilderness ther- therapy guide for a while, working in the woods with these kids and wow. just like hiking with them and talking with them and doing that for about a year. Um, and then eventually transitioned to this new school. It was a nonprofit and I worked in that school and worked there for a year and a half in Asheville, North Carolina. That's where I currently live. And reached a point where Yob, your other brothers, we call it Yob for short. Yeah. Um, it reached a point where Yob was taking more and more of my time, the more stuff we did, the more Mm -hmm. blogs, the more podcasts, even in the community element, just being an administrator in this Facebook group and 
and just keeping up with the community aspect of the site, um, it just was taking more and more time. And I figured yeah. at some point something had to give. Either I quit Yob or scale down significantly with Yob, or I quit my job as a tutor, as a mentor. And eventually, after a year and a half of working that job, I quit that job and left. And now I do basically I do your other brothers full time, and well, and I do some Lyft driving on the side too, which is which a fun, is fun. You I, do it too, right? I, I Uber and Lyft. You Uber and Lyft. Nice. Yeah. I just do Lyft, but yeah. So I do that on the side a couple nights a week. But yeah, that's my life now. I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and I am the co-founder, editor of Your Other Brothers and do organize all that content <laughs> every single week yeah. on the site. And then, yeah, I do some lift driving on the side and travel. I, I love traveling. That's probably the other big thing about my life that um, people don't know right away. If they only know me as the the SSA or the gay Christian guy, like they don't know like, Oh yeah, Tom has other things about him that is significant, namely traveling. Cause I just came back from a trip to Hawaii mm-hmm. and, and traveling all year long to various locations. So it's uh that's a huge aspect. Cause I wrote a second book last year about a road trip that I took a nine month yeah. road trip. And so, so traveling is a huge thing as well. In addition to all the writing and, and vulnerability and all the other uh-huh. stuff I'm known for. And you're only 31. So you, if, well, <laughs> who knows how long we live, but who if, knows? Yeah. You, there's going to be a lot of things that uh, Tom will... Yeah, I always tell people I've, I've been in a quarter-life crisis for a few years now. That could be a midlife crisis. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's somewhere between quarter and midlife at this point. Uh, cool. And for for those listening to this podcast, the four T's, I, I can't... Well, the four T's doesn't have a community to be a part of. Since, Yet. Yeah, well... <laughs> and so I think that's what's been cool about Your Other Brothers is you've been able to create a community for men who, <clears throat> men who need who need this, who haven't right. told their fa- their friends, their family, their pastors. Um, yeah, I mean, we just, you were just there. We just had this retreat. Um, mm-hmm. 47 guys showed up in the woods of North Carolina, and we all got together and got to know each other. And, yeah, I was just astounded by the diversity in yeah. that place of people who are super open with their story, and, like, they they would consider themselves out or publicly out, and they, would, you know, have no shame whatsoever about telling their yeah. story to anybody <clears> they meet. And then you have other people who haven't told a single person, and they're like, meeting all these people from the internet for the first time and that's like the first time they're bringing this to somebody so you have such a contrast yeah in our in our community <clears throat> one thing too i've been i've been oh so this morning i got an email from a 64 year old man who lives in orange county he's hmm. married he has four kids wow. and he uh he was sharing that he struggles with this he hasn't told that many people uh the first person he told uh just sort of walked out of his life because he didn't know how to handle it and so one thing that I've been thinking about recently too is how the how this topic is still for men who are above the age of forty, uh, and so it was cool to see a couple of men who are above the age of forty at the retreat. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a diverse age spectrum. As yeah. yeah, and all that is say, I, I want people to remember this topic isn't just about young people; it's about men who have been in the churches for years who have hidden this. Yeah. Um, we and, get, yeah, on Your Other Brothers, we get a lot of emails from 40-plus mm-hmm. um, year old men. A lot of them married and with kids, and sometimes <clears throat> sometimes their wife knows, and sometimes their wife doesn't know, and so yeah. it's interesting that we have, yeah, we've kind of created, you and I both, like, we've created this outlet for people where the internet didn't exist three decades ago, mm-hmm. four decades ago, um, and I get the comment all the time, I don't know if you do, but I get the comment all the time where people will say, I wish I'd found this yeah. 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Which is a crazy, crazy thought. Like it's again, it's humbling to feel like we can fill a void, mm-hmm. but it's also a little disappoint or dis- It's disheartening actually to be like, oh my gosh, like I wish, I wish you had, I wish there was something like this thirty years ago for yeah. you. And we're saying, and we're saying things that they felt they couldn't say. 
uh, mm-hmm. either because first language, it's like you yeah. just don't say certain things. Yeah, yeah. But both of our sites are saying things that I, a lot of them wish they could say, or they're like, oh, I, I understand that feeling, our experience. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, it's a different culture and a climate. Mm-hmm. So in addition to not being the internet, being around three decades ago, you also have the different culture and different, yeah. especially different <clears throat> uh, Christianity culture where, yeah, you certainly are. <laughs> three decades ago, four decades, four decades ago, we're not talking about same-sex attraction in the church. Like, that's just not a thing yeah. we're talking about. Wow. Well, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you're doing your other brothers. And uh, I when I came back from the tree, I told a lot of my friends, like, this is something pretty big, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I hope... Well, I would pray and hope the best for your other brothers. And Thanks, I'm, brother. I'm happy. I'm happy to be a part of it. It's, yeah, it's, you are uh, a part of it. So I get to learn you. from all these men about their experiences, especially because they live in um, they don't live in SoCal, and I'm starting to learn this difference of being a Christian who struggles with this in Southern California versus the South or the Midwest. Mm. And I'm again the culture thing. I'm just thinking, oh man, there are people my age who still have a hard time dealing with this just because of where they live mm-hmm. uh so i'm realizing how blessed i am to live in southern california where i guess somehow we're more uh, open with our language here yeah it's a different vibe it's, it's you're not in georgia that's for sure you're not in mississippi <laughs> when you're yeah. in southern california yeah. and so that's been making me think too how can the four t's adapt to a culture other than southern california mm-hmm. um yeah totally but that's something i'm figuring out uh, yeah. One story at a time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I want to share about the four T's really quick. Uh, yeah. So I grew up here in Southern California. I went to Biola University, which is... Yeah, Biola. Yeah, I, I love, love Biola. Biola. Oh, it's, <laughs> so do I. It's awesome. I knew I was attracted... Well, since I was like five, I remember thinking, I oh, like, oh, I like that boy. And then it changed to that boy's cute by the time I was like 10 to... then. When I was 13, 12, I would say I knew I struggled with homosexuality. And I already had... The language I use as a 12-year-old kid is still the same language I use now. <laughs> nice. Uh, but the something that's more recently changed is I like to actually... Or I would like to actually say I struggle with masculinity. That, to me, mm. is the more accurate description would, now. Yeah, I resonate with that. Um, but I understand since words are important nowadays, we have to, I have to use other words uh, to describe this. Uh, but... When I went to Biola, it was cool. I was able to learn a lot about my life and what I needed to process. I went to therapy, and anyways, uh, but the four T's came about when uh, when the a student writer for I'm sorry, the editor in chief for the Biola Chimes, which is the student paper, mm-hmm. wanted to do a story about me uh, because at that time there was a, a gay affirming group of students that came out from Biola, and um, they're calling themselves Biola Underground, and also it was it was mm-hmm. interesting. So she wanted to compare all these stories. So uh, she wanted to write about my life as a side B Christian. And she started the story after she, she did an interview of me and, or with me. And I'm sorry, I don't know if I said that right. She interviewed me and it was a good two, two hour conversation. Uh, so she, oh, she starts the interview with saying, uh, touch, time, transparency, three things which are needs from his guy friends. And I was like, oh yeah, like. This is so true. Mm-hmm. From everything I, I was able to tell her within those two hours, she got those three words. Uh, she summarized my experience in those three words. So during the year, I wanted to start like a some. I wanted to start something for straight Christian men to know how to love those who struggle with this. And I just those three words stuck with me for a while. So then I just added teamwork, and I'm like, hey, 
I'll start this website. I'll call it the four T's in the church and we'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And the goal of that and the goal of the four T's is to, to explain to other Christians the blessings I've had in my life of friends meeting these deep intimate needs in my life. Um, and I thought, man, my experience was such a good experience. Maybe it could help other people. Maybe my experience is quite relatable to others. I feel like I'm not making sense right now. No, it's... Am it's, I making sense? You're making total sense. And I love your, your site, because we've talked about this numerous times now, about your site and who you're gearing your site for. And yeah. My site and how I'm gearing my site for and how there's been some crossover and mm-hmm. distancing between our two sites and our audiences and followings. Exactly. And, and so... And because, so part of my story too was I had a, a huge falling out with a friend and that devastated my life. And hmm. that's quite a, a, a common story within side B folks is in regards to friendships, we need, we either don't know how to have healthy friendships or we're learning, but when you learn, you sort of have mistakes that you make. Uh, and so all that to say, I, I had a huge falling out and that made me question everything mm-hmm. like, okay, what is marriage? What is friendship? What is church? And so throughout that time when I was researching this again, that's when I was able to learn, okay, the four T's are basically overall needs. I see, I see a common, a common topic of what are the needs of someone who struggles with this? And I realized the four T's is sort of common. It's first it's for everybody. Everyone needs the four T's if, whether you struggle with this or not, but specifically those who struggle with this need these four, four specific things. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I was like, I'll just go with this. Um, cause my goal is I want Christians who are going to walk alongside those who struggle with this to not make as many mistakes as previous friends of mine or, or just what other people, like uh, when I, when I listen to other stories of men who try to help others, they just end up having to walk away cause they don't understand what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, okay, how can we, how can we sort of, uh, stop that from happening? So I'm hoping the four T's is just one way of that happening. Yeah. And so my my yeah my audience is for the straight Christian brothers that we have, uh, and I know some people. My Matthew Huber doesn't like me saying straight, so uh, <laughs> the four T's are for Christians who don't struggle with this particular issue in their life, mm-hmm. um, and so that way they could have a sort of a go to of hey like yeah they could have a go to when their friend says hey I struggle with this I might be I'm I think I'm attracted to you, and I want these Christians to know hey well here's some here's some. Uh, Here's sort of a, a quick path if you're trying to figure yeah. out what to do. Not the only path, and it's not the the absolute path. It's just one way yeah. of, of many. Well, it's fun when I listen, because I listen to your podcast, and it's fun to compare and contrast our, our different podcasts and our different communities because, cause, yeah, I listen to you, and you're generally talking with other with straight people, yeah. non, <laughs> yeah, non-SSA, non-gay people. You are my and, first... Of what I know, of what I know, you are the first on our show. First SSA, side B. Besides me, unless my friends are lying to me, but I don't think they are. Well, I'm honored to (laughs) to have that role, yeah, to break into this frontier. Hello, straight people out there. Um, But yeah, it's a very interesting, because we're doing a lot of similar things talking about, because like on our site, we we talk about physical touch, and we talk about Mm -hmm. quality time, and we talk about vulnerability and transparency and brotherhood and and teamwork so there's a lot of commonalities as far as what we're talking about it's just interesting that yours yeah it's kind of talking to like okay this is something we deal with so here's here's this perspective for outside of this little bubble outside of this little niche that a lot of people especially people inside the church church aren't super familiar with or educated about and i was sort of 
I was tired. And I think I have this on the site. I, I, and I think my words are, I'm tired. I'm tired <laughs> of the church saying, let's, let's care and love those who are gay or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, no one knows what that means. And, and yeah. some of my friends... It sounds good, but... Yeah, it sounds good, but what does that mean? And yeah. some of my friends, are like, they don't even care to figure out what that means. And so I, I, I thought, well, let's get more specific then. And that's why the four T's is, like, specific. It's And I hope to stick to these four words throughout the... Co- the as I create content, mm-hmm. content. I just want to talk about the four T's because I think this is specific. And here's one way to actually care and love mm-hmm. someone who struggles with this or is gay or whatever, however they identify themselves... And so, yeah, it was, I wanted to get specific with getting specific though, causes some problems because some people feel uncomfortable with some of the four T's, which is totally understandable. Uh, but my thought is, Hey, well, if, if we're either going to be vague in our love for people or we'll get Mm -hmm. specific in our love for people. Um, and so might as well get specific. Yeah. And so, Hey, and if you don't like it, then you it's can listen to your other brothers yeah. podcast. <laughs> we will gladly welcome you. If yeah. You hate the four T's. Come to your other brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah it's cool. Um, with our mission, because when we started our website, or when I helped launch it in 2015, we, we we came up with the name Your Other Brothers for two reasons. So like our initial reason was we wanted to reach out to other SSA or gay identifying people mm-hmm. of faith and be like, hey, we're, we're your other brothers. Because I know for me personally, and a lot of the guys who blog on the site, you know, and Richard, you might resonate too, like growing up, assuming that we were the only ones, like I grew up Mm -hmm. assuming I was the only Christian, only person who followed Jesus, who also had an attraction for the other boys and for other guys. Like that just was something I just didn't even think twice about. I was like, oh yeah, I'm weird. I'm messed up. And this is just my cross to bear, I guess. Had no concept that other people of faith, other Jesus followers could also have same sex attraction or, or have gay feelings and not know what to do with them. And so I know that there, and we get emails still all the time from people all over the world who are like, wow, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one. And uh-huh. then I found your website, I found the blog, found the community. And so that's been super encouraging to find other brothers who are also in the same, the same little world of, uh, that, that we walk in through mm-hmm. same-sex attraction and faith. Um, but we also came up with the name Your Other Brothers because we did have this vision, or I did, about this vision of reaching people outside the church, whether they're pastors or just other people sitting in the pews, and just having this other this other aspect to your other brothers to reach out to people in the church and say, Hey, we're also in your midst. Like we talk about the LGBT war and, and, and gay rights and all this stuff that's happening in the church, gay marriage. And it's not stuff that exists outside of the church. Like there are people inside the church sitting in the pews with you right now Mm -hmm. who are attracted to the same sex, men and women and everywhere in between. And it's like, and they're married, they have children, they're married, they have children, they're single, they're all walks of life and all personality types and everything. And, and like, hey, where are your other brothers too? Like, we're we're not out there. It's not us versus them. It's like all of us. Mm-hmm. We're right here. And so, and that's something we've been noticing lately because I think when we first started, it was very heavily, we heard entirely from people who are also SSA or also gay. And lately, yeah, the last couple of months and years even, like we've been hearing more and more from pastors and just people outside the church or moms or dads of, of gay identifying or SSA youth. And so we've been able to slowly trickle out and reach out to more more people in the straight world and the heterosexual yeah. world um, of people who are finding our site. And that's been super encouraging because I feel like, yeah, there's there's merit and there's worth to both, to reaching mm-hmm. out to other people in our camp to affirm that they're not alone, that they can walk and navigate through these hard issues together. They don't have to do it by themselves. But then also bringing some awareness and education to the church at large. I think yeah. that's equally as important. And one of the, and well, one of the reasons too, I, I started the 4T's website was um, my friends who at one point 
struggling with this or whatever they used, mm-hmm. uh, then would make a switch and then be gay affirming. And that was devastating for me because I, I just felt like, I felt like I lost a friend. Well, you know, we're still friends and hang out, but like a big part of our faith was now different. Um, yeah. And my concern or what I overall saw was a lot of these guys weren't, weren't becoming gay affirming because they actually believed in like a gay affirming theology my experience talking to them was more of like they felt so isolated so rejected mm-hmm. so needy it was either i kill myself or I'd be gay mm-hmm. and so i'm gonna be gay so i still live and so what i heard from those discussions was okay they have these needs that aren't being met from the church and so instead they're just gonna embrace uh, a gay affirming church or something like that or a community because they want to feel loved and i and that was my perception for a while or actually it still is and so uh and again, I'm making an argument that some people will not agree with me on. So that's Richard sure. Padilla making that claim, not Tom. That's me. Uh, so my view has been, well, I think if we don't meet the needs of young teenagers who are being raised in the church, who become young adults and so forth, they're going to find a community that will love them and meet their needs despite theology. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so my, my hope was that the four T's can be a hindrance to that, but also, no, this is a way we can live together. Uh, in community and meet each other's needs uh but yeah my my fear or a concern i have is a lot of people who embrace a gay whatever a gay affirming faith uh is the reason why they're doing that is because their needs aren't being met and so i'm like okay we got we got to change that Mm -hmm. uh and even some one of my friends he when we were talking about the four t's and he's gay he has a boyfriend uh when i first introduced to him the four t's his response to me was uh Richard, I think you, I think you found a cure to being side B, because his for his, his mind was it's so impossible to live a side B life, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, it's only impossible if your needs aren't being met. Mm-hmm. If we all long for intimacy, intimacy, not not specifically sexually, and and I think if anyone makes a claim that we need to experience sexual life, that's not part of the Christian faith. Yeah. Um, and so, it was interesting to hear him say that because. It affirmed my idea that, hey, we have these deep needs, and when you just give someone a long hug, that just goes such a long way than having a, an hour conversation drinking coffee. Not to yeah. say that's not good either. Which I love, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but not to have coffee with but anybody. But, like, even in regards to touch, humans, just, like, touch would just change the life of Absolutely. someone. Um, and that's why I think, yeah, anyways, we won't go there, but, because uh, that, that, that's a tangent. <laughs> All that to say, that I have so much hope that the church can meet can meet the needs of those who struggle with this um the four t's is one way to do that and i don't know that's what i'm about that's what the four t's is about uh i have a lot of hope in the church i think it's i actually think the church is a safe place um and this will be interesting i'll bring this up now and this is no way to go against your other brothers or even even uh, other conferences where the mm-hmm. church is trying to help those who struggle with this something that i i've been thinking about or i feel sad about is that people have to Christians who struggle with this have to fly to other places just to experience Mm -hmm. community. And I'm, and that makes me sad because I'm thinking they should be able to experience this within their local church. Uh, Yeah. But obviously that's not going on yet. And that's why they're flying and going to conferences and retreats. Yeah, totally. um, But one of my goals is, oh, it's weird. One of my goals is so that 
one of my goals of the four T's is so that doesn't have to happen. Right. And so that would be one of my goals too, actually, with your other brothers. It's like it's cool that we have friendships happening all over the world, and we had this retreat mm-hmm. this summer, which we hopefully will do on a more regular basis. Um, yeah, those are special occasions and special things, but they can't be. It can't be the norm. Like it can't. Mm. We can't realistically have a retreat every month or every other week, weekend, <laughs> yeah. even though people would love that. I'm sure. Um, yeah, there needs to be a transition from the, the internet life to day to day geography where you are whether you live in socal whether you live in mississippi whether you live in canada or or the uk or any part of the world like there should be an outlet for you to to get those four t's to get Mm -hmm. healthy intimacy with other men or the same sex and and i would love to see yeah both of our communities both of our sites making those strides to educate and bring awareness and and hopefully make this something that doesn't have to be as foreign as it's felt because it's felt super foreign to me i'll just speak for myself it's been hard to to find healthy integration into the local church. Like that's been a lifelong endeavor for me. And I know it has been for a lot of our followers and readers and, mm-hmm. and brothers. So so that's something I would love to see change in the culture. And well, so the theme of this podcast, I, we didn't really bring it up a lot, but I wanted to call it teamwork. <laughs> yes. Because my the what I wanted to bring up is how both of our ministries are trying to help the church love those who struggle with this. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know that. So, anyways, that was that was the overall theme I wanted to bring up was how uh, we're here for the local church, not to. Well, yeah. I assume not to create another tribe of like, well, we're so different from you guys, and I don't know, started start mm-hmm. a weird war or something. But it's like, no, we're actually your other brothers. We're we're amongst you guys. We are a team. We can meet their needs. Like a lot of us, majority of those who struggle with this are going to be single. So there's a lot of things that we could do for our married friends mm-hmm. or, or just the church in general. Um, yeah. So I'm just like, I want to... S- That's a huge aspect, actually, because I've been such a needy, selfish person my entire life, and it's I'm only recently starting to climb out of that, I hope, I think. Um, but always feeling like I need something to fill my needs. I need the church to mm-hmm. fill my needs. Instead of ever asking, like, well, what can I bring the church? Yeah. Like, what can I bring to the church or or offer to my other brothers, my, my straight or my married or whatever have you friends. Um, and that's like, that's a huge shift to make because I think a lot of people who grow up struggling with homosexuality and not knowing how to move forward in life, they feel like they need something to, to get the pieces yeah. together to, instead of thinking like, oh man, maybe my life experience and maybe my journey, my faith journey has led me to this point so that I can bring something to a pastor or to a mm-hmm. small group or to the church at large really um so that's that's a shift that i'm making in my own life and i hope it's pe- for people listening like i hope they can make that jump too that they realize you have something to offer you have a story that is uniquely yours and you have something to bring to your church your yeah. local church that you're involved in or your city or your community and like yeah uh, that's good I, like about 85 percent of my friends are married right now and so it's funny because <laughs> i'm not i am not obviously i'm not married you're not i'm not married uh and, and I don't even know, if, like, it's been interesting to figure out, like, do I want it? Like, I don't even know if I want to be married. Like, I don't know any of those questions. I just mm-hmm. don't know. Um, and this could open up a different discussion that we won't have, but, like, I've been attracted to girls in the past, but then it just sort of ends there. Like, mm, oh, she's pretty. Interesting. And then I stop, and then whatever. <laughs> and then another guy walks by, and I'm like, oh, that guy. And I'm just like, uh, no, but I've been, I, a lot of my friends are, are married, and so I've had to, I've had to hear a lot of marriage issues which I I realized okay these friends of mine need an outlet they also need to talk and even though I'm frustrated about even the topic of marriage in the church mm-hmm. the reality is right now where I'm at the guys I love and care about are married 
So how can I be there for them? How can I support them in their marriage? It's interesting. It's just, it's interesting because I'm realizing some of the needs we have as side B Christians are still the same needs they have. Yeah. And it's funny to, to see so many of my, my friends realize marriage isn't solving their neediness in their life. Um, so I think I, well, maybe for some people struggling with this is a blessing. Others, it's like a huge curse, which I understand. But I think more recently, I, I feel blessed to, to struggle with this because I feel like I'm, it gives me a perspective on life to actually love others in very deep, profound ways. Um, yeah. But it's, again, it's still hard to do this in a local church, which, which I would also argue idolizes marriage. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, uh, I think it goes beyond, honestly, issues of, of sexuality and the, the quote-unquote gay agenda and the LGBT yeah. <laughs> community. Like, I've, I've been talking more and more with my pastor in North Carolina and just sharing more about my story and your other brothers, and he's been a super strong supporter of what I'm doing and what we're doing. That's cool. Um, but yeah, like, I remember him listening. We did a podcast on singleness. We did an episode of our podcast on singleness, um, just talking about what it means to be single in the church and to be 20 something, 30 something, whatever, and be single. Um, and I remember him telling me like that podcast gave him a perspective, like just disregarding sexuality and people Mm -hmm. who have homosexual feelings, like just this issue of singleness in the church. Like that's something that was a light bulb moment for a guy who's been married his entire adult life and, and has, you know, can't, can't remember what it's like to be single because it's been so long ago and to have this perspective now of singleness in the church which has nothing to do with sexuality sometimes because there's yeah. plenty of straight people who are single in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Um, and like, are they less worthy? Are they, are they have they not arrived yet? Are yeah. they, is it just not God's timing yet? Like, or do they still have a value and purpose in singleness? Is there value and purpose mm-hmm. in singleness? And, and I would say there most definitely is. Well, I read something recently too, uh, and it, it had stats and all this stuff, but it said that majority of people in the church now are going to be single. And I'm just thinking... It's tilting that way, yeah. Yeah, which is like, okay, that means pastoral care is going to switch a lot mm-hmm. to how do we address single people in the church. And so that's going to be interesting in the next coming years to see what's going to happen with that. Um, but uh, as something, that, as you were saying, as you were bringing that up about your pastor, I went and spoke at a... Or I went and talked at a pastoral staff meeting for a professor's church about the four T's. And as we're going... Towards the end of the... Uh, we went through each and I was giving examples and just situations that happen but at the end of towards the end of the meeting uh, an elderly lady who's uh, an elder of the church she she speaks up and she's just like hey the 14 is good for my single ladies like they're always talking about stuff like this and it, it, this is what they need and I'm like yeah like yeah it's just we all just you're reaching all loved. the single ladies out there. <laughs> and all the, yeah anyways it was really it was cool to hear her say that because I even though the four T's is specifically for those who struggle with this, or, or I'm sorry, even though the four T's is for straight people to love those who struggle with this, I, I, I overall just want the church to, to love each other well. Because if we do this, somehow Jesus' name is praised, mm-hmm. and it becomes the most famous name. Uh, and he, you know, this is what he says, this is how he says, hey, people will know who I am by you guys loving each other. Exactly. And so it'll be cool, or I... I believe that we could do that as Christians. Um, so when that lady said that, that made me really happy because I'm like, yeah, if we love each other and meet each other's needs and not talk in vague ideas of love and love, but actually like get to specifics, mm-hmm. which gets hard because then, then it, when we get to specifics, it, 
that's when you have to have the, the good conversations on boundaries and is that healthy is it not healthy mm-hmm. man this is awkward oh i gotta get past this awkward stage oh i don't want to do this but i know this is what makes them feel good or helps her me yeah we get in those discussions that i think are way more important than just i don't know yeah vague uh, what's the word i don't even know the word just yeah, it's let's just love like the world. It's like, service. yeah, what does that even mean? Yeah, lip service. So we just need to, yeah, figure out ways to do that. And that's why, yeah, I love, I always appreciate about the four T's because you're, you're very specific about these four, these mm-hmm. four particular ways. I'm sure there's more, but that's like a starting point or an awesome starting point. Yeah. There's four ways, just loving people in general, but especially people in this little niche world of, uh, of Christianity or what have you. And it's not easy. That's what, so like if, if anyone listen, if, if you have the chance to listen to previous podcasts, you get to hear all my straight, straight guy friends sort of say, what they experience when I'm saying, hey, uh-huh. like, uh, can you give me a long hug? Can can we share a bed? Like, that's the end of the world for a lot of guys. <laughs> or, and without getting into the topic of nudity and just sort of, like, a normal setting where that takes place, mm-hmm. how does that affect uh, the experience of an SSA Christian? Like, the locker room. Like, you know, these discussions are happening, and I'm like, these are the discussions that have to take place because at the end of the day, someone who struggles with this is trying to figure out how to live in an environment with other men. Maybe they're gonna they're gonna have a roommate. What if the roommate doesn't want to change in front of them? Mm-hmm. That that feels sort of uh, well. In my mind, that's like, oh man, why he can't even change in front of me? That sucks. Like, what am I? And, yeah. And so like those are the discussions or those are the topics I want to deal with versus this overall. Let's love people and accept them into our church. And I'm just like I'm tired of that language because I'm like we're not getting anywhere with that language. Um, anyways. Yeah. That's my whole. My van, I feel like I'm venting right now. <laughs> this is good. I'm getting, ang- that, I'm getting angrier. How does angrier. that make you feel, Richard? Yeah. <laughs> uh, here as your therapist. But here, I want to. I, I want to go over some questions before it gets any uh, later. Yeah. I want to talk about our perceptions of where the church is going right now, as we love those who struggle with this, because you live in the East south, coast. east yeah, coast, south. Yeah. I don't know what you call it. We're like the bridge, yeah, the bridge between south and north, okay, in the east coast. But it's a mountain town, yeah, Asheville, where I live particularly. It's a unique mixture of. Of cultures because it's a very liberal progressive town but it's also in the south so you have churches on every street corner okay. so it's really yeah it's an interesting place and i live in orange county where we just think about orange county like any, <laughs> right. anywhere past the mountain you're in the bubble yeah. <laughs> yeah we don't we don't know uh-huh. what else exists out there uh but yeah what are what are our perceptions right now of the church as we love those who struggle with that where do you yeah i'm I mean, I think it's getting better. I was actually, so I'm one of those people who was actually relieved when the gay marriage ruling was made in America a okay. few years ago, because it kind of was like, okay, this is done. Like, let's move on now. Dude, like, I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, for years and years and years, there's this war going on with all the states and with all religious rights and gay rights and everything. And I was like, okay, can we move on now? Like, let's let's start talking about real life people with real mm-hmm. life stories. And, and so I think as we get more and more distance from that ruling, which I think was 2015, um, I think I mean this is just my perspective as someone who's who's blogging more and reading stories and and keeping up with with these issues in the church. I think it's becoming something that it's either going one of two ways. Either churches are just becoming gay affirming entirely. Yeah. Um, and so there's certainly churches that are going in that direction. Um, but I think there are other churches too. Like I'm encouraged by various conferences I've attended over the last couple of years, and just meeting with my, like my current pastor and just hearing from other pastors. Like I think there is a more of a hunger for understanding that I've noticed in recent years. Um, that people, pastors in particular, leaders in churches, they want to know how to handle this issue and how to meet people and how to understand mm-hmm. and connect with people. So I, I do see that also happening. Like there is, there are churches just completely shifting 
theologies and understandings of scripture and becoming gay affirming and that's that's something that is absolutely happening but but I do think there is there is an undercurrent of, of pastors and leadership that want to understand more and want to yeah. be able to meet needs in practical ways like how do we do that how do we welcome in someone who identifies as gay or or struggles with same-sex attraction or whatever their verbiage is like how do we meet them and how do we support them as the church should do mm-hmm. um, and I see that happening too so I'm I'm encouraged actually I think yeah. I think, um, yeah, and I think the more stories we tell, it's only going to hopefully further that that mission. Yeah, I. so you start off at a good point with the, the gay marriage thing. The day it was finally, well, legal, I guess, I, it was, I felt sad that day. Mm-hmm. And I was also happy because I'm like, yes, okay, no more gay marriage debate now because it's, it's the law. We don't have to talk about this. Now let's talk about those who struggle with this and yeah. how, we could, how we can meet those needs. But the other thing was... And, the part that is always going to upset me about the law, that specific law, is in the in the actual wording of it, it says no, no relationship is more profound than marriage. Mm. And whenever I see that, I cringe because yeah. I'm thinking that goes against the Christian faith about what the what the church is, what the covenant of Christ is within His church. Oh, I hate it! I like hate it so much. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember that part. Yeah, as well. Um, yeah, this whole idolization of marriage that is mm-hmm. just something that. I think it's June, hard to get over in this every culture. June 29th. That's what I'm going to think about. It's coming up because that I always remember that. Oh, uh, and so I just remember thinking this, that is what we, I need to speak out against is this particular idea, which the Supreme Court apparently thinks too. But then when it comes in regards to like local churches, I feel the same way. Like people want to do something like my, a, a lot of my guy friends want to love others who struggle with this. They just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's where I would bring up the four T's uh, as a starting point for them. But I also feel very hopeful that, like, hey, people, people are ready to to start. Yeah, work. I think the the soil is is ripe or yeah. ready for harvest or yeah. ready for planting, whatever the phrase even, is. Even yeah. though the whole Supreme Court thing felt like a loss to the church, I'm just thinking, nah, it wasn't that much of a loss. Not really. Like, no. the kingdom of God doesn't really care about a lot of these laws. It's it's about invading the hearts of mm-hmm. humans and loving them and pointing them to Christ and, uh, yeah, and and so yeah, I feel the same way. I'm like, I'm excited. Because there's a lot of churches who uh, want to love those who struggle with this, uh, or love even non-Christians who are gay. Mm-hmm. Like they they have because they they're working with their coworkers are gay now. Their their non-Christian family members are gay, and so they're thinking, well, what can I do? So it's cool to it's cool to see that transition. Yeah, yeah. Who cool. knows if these types of conversations would be flourishing in this climate if like gay marriage still wasn't the law of the land like yeah. i think about that a lot actually that maybe this is the right timing for both your site and my site and these stories to be coming out of this this post gay marriage era like mm-hmm. i think it's the yeah time and is right for that i'm i'm curious like how how do stories how, how do you think stories help change christians hmm. uh, in regards to understanding or having compassion for those who identify as gay or struggle with homosexuality yeah <laughs> so you guys story tell. That's that's your guys' thing. Yeah, from the beginning our website was never going to be some sort of academic scholastic archive for like <laughs> deep deep theological dives. Like that just isn't it's not my personal forte. Um it's not probably the forte of everyone on our site blogging. Like a lot of us are writers, musicians, creative, artistic people. And storytelling is our just our natural way to yeah. convey thoughts and feelings, at least it is for me. So for me, I can take it back. I can take this conversation back to when I mentioned earlier in the podcast. I went on a, a road trip, a nine-month road trip around the U.S. and Canada. And this was a few years ago after I finished my time in California. I hit the road for almost a year, 
And so traveled to 48 states, traveled to six provinces in Canada, met people. I was very intentional on that trip to meet with people that were completely different from me. I mean, obviously I stay with tons of people who are similar to me, mm. both spiritually and personality wise. But, but like I stayed with super masculine, macho dudes. I stayed with married people. I stayed with women. I stayed with atheists. I stayed with huh. like with Christians and super conservative Bible Belt, Texas level Christians and and everywhere in between. And I remember like meeting people who either either identified as atheist or identified as a Mormon or identified as this or that. And in my head, because I grew up in the Christian bubble, like I went to I was grew up in a Christian home, went to a Christian school and went to a Christian college my first year and just like constantly surrounded by Christians. Like it's been only even recently and even then I still haven't really completely broken out of this Christian bubble but for the most part my life has been in the Christian bubble and so when I hit the road for a year like all of a sudden I'm breaking the bubble and I'm meeting my first Mormon for the first time I'm meeting my first my first like self-described atheist for the first time and being able to put a face like an actual literal physical face to an idea or to a stereotype or to whatever thing I had whatever vision of a person I had in my mind of what this person would look like and that can translate to gay people too because I was very familiar at that time with SSA people people who mm-hmm. identified as same-sex attracted but people who identified as gay and people who either have boyfriends or husbands or or what have you like that was something I had never in- encountered or interacted with growing mm-hmm. up and then I did on the road trip I encountered people who who identified as gay or who had boyfriends who had husbands and so I uh got to put faces and got to put stories to uh, these ideas these constructs in yeah. my head and I think on a basic level like it doesn't change my convictions my convictions are still the same like I still believe what the Bible what I interpret the Bible says and I still mm-hmm. have those convictions for my own life but at the same time I now understand somebody I now understand a construct and an idea better by hearing someone's story and understanding their journey and being able to just walk into their lives for a day or two or or an hour or two at a coffee shop or what, ha- what have you Um, And I think that's the power of story. I think the power of story has the power to break down walls and take away what your idea of something is or what Mm -hmm. your idea of what the gay agenda is or what the LGBT LGBT community is. And if you get to encounter somebody for an hour or two hours or a day or a weekend, I think it breaks down a lot of walls. And I think the power of story, yeah, it brings it brings a lot of equality um, to our shared humanity. Like Mm -hmm. we I have a struggle. You have a struggle awesome like let's struggle together let's share yeah. our stories let's i'm all be about friends. i'm all about yeah. diving into the deep end and that, that discourages a lot of people a lot of people are very uncomfortable getting vulnerable like i'm i'm one of those people i can meet you for the first time in a coffee shop and like within five minutes we're talking about our wounds from childhood <laughs> that's just my like i'm just i'm totally fine with that i realize that that's not everybody's thing and that yeah a lot normally i feel like for most people that takes a lot of shared building and trust in the relationship to get there but but I think what I've learned from living on the road, like I, a lot of people are honestly starving for that transparency and yeah. that vulnerability. Like people want to get real and they want to, especially in the church, I think a lot of people who grow up in the church, it's like a very sterile, everything is happy, everything is clean. Like we struggle in these vague, like obscure ways, mm-hmm. but we don't ever articulate what those ways are. Like, do they involve masturbation? Do they involve pornography? What do they, what do these messy struggles that we reference talk yeah. about actually are? And and so, yeah, so going back to the question, stories, the power of story, breaking down walls, being able to look someone across from somebody and, and recognize some of yourself in them, like that's been a huge part of my personal journey and, 
and now the Your Other Brothers journey too. It's just a safe uh, place to share stories and yeah, um, and yeah, just recognize that we're all walking this road together, and we might arrive at different conclusions as far as theologies and convictions go, um, but we're way more similar than we are different. And I think that's I think if the church at large can grasp that we're way more similar than we are different. I think that would go a long way because it's just for too long it's just been us versus them mm-hmm. and these huge walls separating the camps and I love the power of story to like take a hammer to the to the wall and yeah. chisel, chisel it down that's one, cool one brick at a time well I know I know when my I'm always surprised when I talk to some of my guy friends and they're like yeah you're the only guy who struggles with this I'm like really like I, I just have this mindset there's a lot of men and women out there who are attracted to the same sex and they just don't know it um, that's my assumption. So it's, I'm just always like, oh man, you got to just talk to more people. Cause I feel like there's a lot <laughs> yeah, of, we don't talk enough. That's yeah. the problem. And then, well, and then a funny story happened when one of my guy friends, he's, he was on a soccer team and we're talking and I'm like, yeah, I think there's probably maybe one or two guys on your team who, who's probably tried to do the same sex. And he's like, no, I'm like, yeah, I bet you that like a couple <laughs> months later they found out a guy was, I'm like, uh-huh. told you. And so all that is say the yeah, when when this topic is just some vague discussion or debate, it's like you can say anything you want. But then all of a sudden, when it's you find out your teammate, it changes your whole dynamic yeah. of this topic. Um, so yeah, I love that. That's true. The storytelling's cool. Uh, yeah, I worked at, at you talking about the soccer team. Really brought up this this camp that I worked at several years ago. It was a Christian camp. And I was convinced, I wrote about this in, in my book, Struggle Central, but I wrote about this experience working at a camp, this Christian camp, rugged, super masculine, um, like mud wrestling and, <laughs> you know, dudes shirtless 24-7, like that type of environment. And literally me going there, this was before I was publicly out with my story and, and sharing about same-sex attraction and, and me being at that camp feeling like such a fish out of water and feeling like I am the, like I am definitely 100% the only person here attracted to the same sex and really wrestling with my masculinity around there's like no way anyone else here because everyone is just so confident and so yeah, their shirts are off their shirts they're are off around. they're wrestling each other they're yeah, <laughs> doing these ridiculous things together and then it's like in the aftermath of that book and and all the writing i've done and just putting my name out there more like i don't even know what the exact number is but i've heard from at least five or six or seven dudes from that camp who also also have uh. same-sex attraction or now identify as gay or whatever have you and so and that's like only what I know of. Like, yeah. So who knows what the percentage is of the people who don't know? And I think yeah, that's our mission of your other brothers. It's like look to your left, look to your right in your church. Like there's somebody there. Yeah. There just is, and that's just we have to meet those needs because they're there. And and just to let all the listeners listeners know, there are men and women in your churches who you sit by that are going to be attracted to others of the same sex. Maybe to you. Yeah, maybe to you. <laughs> and and no, seriously, yeah, maybe to you. And so, yeah, uh, how do we do with that? Not, let's not think this is out there in West Hollywood on on mm-hmm. Santa Monica Boulevard. It's actually like, yeah, they're parking right by you. They're going over for dinner. They're married. They have kids. So, yeah, I just want people to know, like, we exist. <laughs> they're, they're in your lives. I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's funny to me when people just don't, it just, it's, yeah, and it's it shouldn't be like a foreboding thing. Like people, <laughs> I think are just like I think people are on honestly, they just don't know what to do. Like okay, yeah. like so now what? And that makes sense. And I, yeah, I think it totally, totally makes sense. And and it's good for me to hear my straight guy friends say like, 
Richard, I just thought you guys all just wanted my penis, so I don't know what it, I'm just gonna avoid you guys. Yeah, and I like this is me being vulnerable because like I grew up in the Christian bubble and knew I was attracted to boys like since I was I don't know eight years old, seven mm-hmm. years. I can remember having at least an emotional fixation on other boys. Yeah, if not physical, um, as early as you know, ten, eleven, twelve years old. Um, and so even then, throughout middle school, throughout high school, throughout my first part of college, like I disassociated from the LGBT community from the gay community because I didn't feel like I was like them. Like I had these feelings, but I wasn't going on TV or I wasn't doing the things that I yeah, saw yeah. in my in my head stereotypically what gay people do. And like, so I would have been, even though I had a front row seat because I was in this community, I just didn't really know how to understand it or reckon with it. I had no idea how to meet the LGBT community and how to meet mm-hmm. gay people or people struggling with same-sex attraction. Like I didn't know as somebody in that camp. And so I completely understand that. And for this, for like a 75 year old pastor from <laughs> Alabama, like how is he going to know if yeah, I don't even exactly. know, I don't even know practically how to meet the needs of, of people with same sex attraction. How is he going to know? And so it gives me a lot of empathy and grace for people who just don't know because they haven't had the exposure and they don't know the stories. And so, yeah, again, the hope is that you tell your stories and I tell my stories and we all share our stories together. Hopefully, yeah, we can start to, to chip those walls down and bring more of a culture of practicality and, and openness and transparency mm-hmm. and teamwork and be able to connect with people better and meet them. One of my friends, because I, I was I, I was similar to you, I just stayed away from anyone who I thought was gay or struggled with this. I was just, anyways, one of my friends though one time told me he was like Richard as I was explaining all, as I was explaining all of this to him, he just blurted out Richard I think you're homophobic, <laughs> and I was like. I was like, I think you're right. Like, I'm afraid. I don't, and there's many reasons why I'm afraid that I won't get into uh-huh. now. But it was interesting when he told me that because it, it's it's stuck with me. And I'm thinking, man. And I work in West Hollywood, so now it's more recently I've been when I when I know it's like when I, when I know someone's gay, and maybe I'm judging them because maybe they're not gay. They're just I don't know. They're just not gay, but <laughs> I think they are. Uh, I'm way more accepting of like just even the experience of talking to them or giving them a hug or whatever versus like I got to stay away from that person um and that's helped me just even just have compassion on non-christians who are gay yeah uh because they're still human they still need they still need the four t's even if they're not christian because the fact that they're human is like that's they're made in the image of god still Mm -hmm. and so they deserve the respect of being treated as a human Versus yeah. as like a disgusting person or whatever, yeah, or a fear like th- that their their whole makeup is this a fear of whatever. Totally, yeah, and I can resonate. Like that's a humble approach for you to say, like, oh man, maybe I was homophobic, or maybe there's something that can I can course correct because I resonate with that as someone growing up in in Christianity culture from from my youth. Like I never wanted anything to do with gay people because maybe secretly I thought they would infect me or like I would get <laughs> triggered into something yeah. that I wouldn't. So it's better to just stay away and. And then over the years, just gradually interacting with gay people, and especially on my road trip, and being able to actually meet with them and stay in their homes, and like mm-hmm. nothing's gonna happen, and I can still have my convictions and still have my beliefs, but I can still connect with somebody and hear their story and and break the wall down a little bit. Like that's been a huge part of my story, and that's the biggest piece of advice I have for anybody who wants to practically reach out to somebody who identifies as gay, or or maybe they don't, maybe they have SSA, or however they want to define it. Like, just being able to be intentional with your time with them and being able to hear their story and understand mm-hmm. a little bit more, I think that goes such a long way. It has for me. Yeah, it gives you understanding. This. Yeah. Yeah. So. Dang. Uh, well, okay, so let's end with two more questions. Okay. Uh, and you brought up, well, let's talk about advice. Well, yeah, the two questions I want to 
address is since since the, the theme of this podcast is still teamwork, how can we work as a team with how can we sort of combine those who struggle with this or say they're gay Christian, gay celibates, whatever mm-hmm. they say, and Christians who don't struggle with this? How can we what are some quick thoughts on how we could sort of encourage teamwork within these two um, Christian I don't want to say camps. I don't want to say tribes. <laughs> I don't know. These two certain... I don't know the word. Because I, I hate the, I hate tribalism. <laughs> I hate camps right now. But yeah, there is this divide. Well, so how can, we, it, how can we connect with each other? Let's keep people in their boxes. Let's keep them okay, as fine. far away from their each rooms. other as How about possible. their rooms? Yeah, their rooms, rooms are... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... Um, yeah. So on the one hand, it's really great. So like when we have your other brother's retreats, like if we... Mm-hmm. Assuming we do that regularly. Like I think that's a great opportunity to have people who are automatically on the same page. Like that was a huge piece of feedback we got from the weekend was everybody just felt safe and like walls were down right away because we all know essentially what we're all going through on some base level. Yeah. Like, of course there's going to be variations of that. And but. even in terms of labels, even though I know some were saying like, oh yeah, I'm gay. Uh-huh. I still knew, okay, but you're side B. So right. it's like, there's a cool. There's so. a common understanding. Yeah. That we have this common base conviction. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. Faith journey that's consistent or semi-consistent amongst us. And so like there is, there is value absolutely in having those those like little niche communities. Yeah. But I think if we're isolating to just those little niche safe communities, we're missing out on not only are we missing out on what the rest of Christianity can give us, what the rest of the church can give us. Like I said earlier, like we're we're missing out or they're missing out rather on what we can give them because mm-hmm. I think yeah. we have I th- I think we're very skilled in empathy and understanding and we're skilled in care and creativity and a lot of gifts that I think a lot of guys in this community have. Like, I think there's plenty of that that the people in the church in general need. Um, but being able to find some place of crossover where we can have, like, men of all stripes and all sexualities being men together, like, I think that is helpful. Single and married, if we can find some sort of way to integrate all of that <laughs> into one space, I think that would be that would be ultimately the healthiest thing. Like, I would love to see more SSA guys, gay guys, interacting with more mm-hmm. straight guys, married guys, single guys, like all of us just being men together. Because I think yeah. men together, if they can all be equalized, I think that goes a long way. I've been the healthiest in my life when I've learned to tear those labels down and just be like, okay, you're a man and I'm a man and you're not less of a man because you deal with this. You're exactly. not more of a man because yep. you don't deal with this. Um, so being able to find those outlets and whether they look like retreat weekends, whether they look like conferences, whether they just look like day-to-day life and just being able to coexist in the same city, in the same town, in the same house, even Mm. same community. I'm really intrigued by like intentional community. And like, I've known several people who have lived in houses with like 10 people or 15 people and some are married and some are single. Or my housing, my housing right now. You have a unique housing situation. It's a married couple, a single guy and an SSA guy. I love that. No, I really love that. Like I would love to see more situations like that because i think particularly for people who are single whether they're 20 30 50 like one of our guys on our site marshall he's in his 50s -hmm. and he lives like in a house i don't even know how many people live in his house now like 10 people 12 people something like that but like all these single people um living together and who knows how long maybe that's not a long-term thing Mm -hmm. but for at least the season of, of their lives or his life like that's a huge blessing i know for him and it's really cool to hear stories like that because i think if if the 20 something or even the teenage something person in the church who has these feelings these same-sex attraction feelings and they look at 
their life 50 years down the road and they're like, oh my gosh, where am I going to be when I'm yeah. 60, 70, 80 years old? Am I going to just still be alone? Am I still going to be celibate? Am I still going to be like, I think people just have this dire vision that there's going to be adrift in an ocean somewhere and it's like, all right, hopefully I survived the storm that yeah, gets me out which, there. Yeah, which, yeah. But I think, I think there's plenty, like, I think we can be super creative with how we meet single people's needs. And like you said, like singleness is on the rise in America. It's a unique time that people are waiting longer and longer to get married. And especially in the church, it's even longer than I think outside the church, but people are single. It's like, okay, we have singles in their thirties now that we didn't used to have and singles in their forties mm-hmm. that we didn't used to have and fifties and on. And now what? Like, are, are we just condemning them to a life of solitude? And marriage lives? won't solve this issue. And marriage won't solve it. People are still lonely in their marriages, as, uh-huh. we, as we know from the emails that we get. Um, yeah, I think there's creative opportunities for men to meet men and for the church to meet the church. And if we can start being real with each other. And then, like you said, be, offer practical solutions and not just talk about it. Let's actually yeah. do something. I think that would go a long way. And I, I want to I say this. So everything you said, I say amen to you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh one one thing I think church leaders can do is have way more single elder elders on their boards. Wait, did I say that right? Yeah, single pastors too. Single oh yeah, yeah. single pastors. That'd be awesome. Single pastors and single elders, because when those eldership meetings take place, uh, when they're talking about what is healthy for their local church, if half of that team is single, like that's gonna be a different mm. discussion um, than if it's just a bunch of married folks. Yeah. And, and I would say, like, and this is a criticism I have of a lot of churches I see. I follow quite a few local churches here in Southern California, and they're like, look at our elder, like our elder retreat. It's like all couples. <laughs> I'm like, well, where's? And then there's like maybe one single person, and it's just like, yeah, we got one single person. And I'm like, hold on, there's like ten really solid single Christians in your church. Mm-hmm. Include them. Have a bigger eldership board than our elder. That's a good point. Yeah. I just I would say that's one practical thing. Mm-hmm. Have single people be pastors and elders. Um, because I think that that helps the church leadership and meeting the the needs of of, yeah, of those churches. Um, uh, and then I do I would like to say to those who struggle with this to not lose hope in the church and to not and to not always consider yourself a victim. Because I think if you consider yourself a victim, not to say we haven't been or that we're neglected or whatever, but there's a lot of other people too that are victims that also need love and i and i i just think those who struggle with this have a certain strength that others don't Mm -hmm. so like at the retreat i remember thinking there's so much strength here yeah like i just saw like 40 but 47 of us are there and i just thought there's so many strong christians here even if they don't think they are or know they are i'm just i saw so much which is so like ironic in the most beautiful way because i think I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I think a good majority of the people there probably wouldn't consider themselves, at least the trajectory of their lives, they wouldn't consider themselves a strong man. Like, Uh that's probably not the first descriptor that comes to mind. Um, But you're right. Like, I remember looking around and, like, we would worship together and sing together and pray together and, and just be intentional with each other and help each other out and talk to each other. Like, there was a strength and a unity there that I hunger for in the local church and Mm. seeing that translate not just on a retreat weekend, but translate in the day-to-day. I think that I saw a glimpse of it, and you're right. There's so much strength um, in our experience and our stories, and we have so much that we've gained from what we feel like we've lost or missed Mm -hmm. out on. We've gained so much, and I think the church at large can absolutely benefit from our strength and our experience. Yeah, and and I do think think the gospel is built off of, and this is really hard for a lot of people, 
but I, I believe the gospel is built off of suffering and when we suffer like Christ, we're glorified like Christ. Mm. Now, suffering is not a popular message that people want to hear. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's just the suffer. And and so I, it's hard. It's something I'm still trying to understand. Um, but there are a lot of other Christians who don't struggle with this who are still suffering. One of my friends, he lost both his parents at the age of 16, like four mm. parts of four months apart from each other. And for some reason, he doesn't struggle with this or anything. But yeah, I feel like, oh man, this guy's felt pain. And loss and I for some reason it helps it, it has helped me trust him and also re- reminds me I'm not the only one who feels pain when I feel like I'm drowning yeah. in my SSA I'm just like wait a minute I have both my parents still which I'm grateful for like my friend lost his parents when he was 16 mm-hmm. he's already graduated college and all the other life big life moments his parents aren't gonna be there that's like for me that's a huge loss yeah um, so I, I don't want I, I want those who struggle with this to remember uh, yeah, you're not alone. There are other guys who struggle with this, but also there are other Christians who've ex- who've experienced like heavy suffering Absolutely. that could relate to you still. Uh, they might not understand the same-sex attraction part of it all, but they understand suffering. They understand what it means to even trust in God in deep suffering. Mm-hmm. And also, we could help them and walk alongside them because we're not a f- we we experience suffering in our own way, so we're not really afraid of it as much. Right, and that's what I think of strength is. Hey, we, we understand suffering, so let's go help those who are afraid of suffering. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, like, it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay still. Like, yeah. We could breathe. You could still grab an iced coffee and listen to a song in the car. <laughs> like, life is, is still good. It's, I think that's just hard to... I think, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the suffering piece. Because I think, yeah, people in our camp, like, I think we have a unique perspective that a lot of non-straight or a lot of straight, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm saying, straight, heterosexual people <laughs> yeah. um, don't have the perspective of just like a daily cross to bear or a daily thing that you're reckoning with and mm-hmm. then you have to say, okay, I'm trusting, I'm trusting God, I'm trusting Jesus for one more day, one more day, one more day. And I think the empathy, the listening ear, like I think that's a huge piece that we have that we can offer to, to people outside of this world because, yeah, we, we have to kind of reckon with that every day. Not to say that straight people, heterosexual people don't have their own crosses to bear every mm-hmm. day because they absolutely do. But but it's a different perspective, I think. And it's been a huge thing for me to realize, to get out of myself and realize, yeah, that other people have it, have a lot of suffering that they have to deal with. And a lot of times, yeah, way worse than anything that I have to deal with on a daily basis. And so how can I, how can I meet them and meet their needs instead mm-hmm. of constantly expecting a world to, to help me and, and satisfy what I'm going through, you know? Yeah. So let's conclude this. Team, teamwork. Uh, your other brothers... The fourteen in the church. Mm-hmm. We're here to, we're here to serve the local church. Um, it's not just about meeting our needs, but like we want to love the local church. Uh, we both believe that uh, uh, we could be there for each other in regards to those who don't struggle with this and those who do struggle with this. Uh, we can meet each other's needs. We could live together in community and glorify Christ, which is one of the main goals of a Christian. Um, yeah, and and we're both excited for where uh, the church is going because. Uh, it's the Church of Christ, and we think uh, we, we think Jesus is the light of the world, and, and we are called to uh, be that. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. I I don't know. It's there's a new age of the church coming. I'm it's pretty. Bright. I'm ex- I'm excited to be a part is, of it. The future is so bright. Yeah. No, I'm excited to keep doing what we're doing. I'm excited for you, Richard, to keep doing what you're doing, and then us to cross over as we can, and and just yeah, continue to be in touch and share these stories. I think it's making a difference. One 
one email from some remote <laughs> corner of the country slash world at a time. Like I, yeah. I love what's happening right now. Cool. And uh, thank you all for listening. And I hope uh, if you have any questions, you could email Tom at your, I don't know your email address yeah. for your other brothers, it's, but it's Tom at your other brothers.com. Sweet. Yeah, and you just go to your other brothers.com. All the, all the info is on that. Yeah. On so that if you're website. looking for a community to, to be loved and to sort of uh, navigate this and, whatever uh tom in the community that he has been a part of is a, a great community for that uh you could email me at uh the four teeth in the church at gmail.com um and thank you for listening and yeah. thanks for having me richard th- yeah, awesome. thanks for joining me tom and yeah. i'm sure sh- i'm sure there'll be uh more to come and uh yeah i'm excited cool uh I'll see ya see ya brother <laughs> from fullerton